I've been in love with these shirts since. So. Mm. And that's the show. Thank you all for coming. Uh, this is your, I guess, now host, Keith Parker, since Stephen died. <laughs> what a traumatic way oh, to just film your death. It would be a horrible way for me. Can you imagine the, the publicity of the show, though, after that? No, because I'm going to have your wife's reaction because she's not going to know how to turn it off. And so it's just oh, going to catch everybody's reaction to sad. your death. Yeah. I'll stay alive, then. That's fine. Yeah. I'm a fan of when you breathe. Two thumbs up. Congratulations, everyone. Welcome back for another season. I am your host, Stephen Woodson, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Keith Parker. Hello. And you guys are listening to Congratulations, Your Divorce. We're back. We're refreshed. We're better than ever, right? Is that Am I am I off basis? Am I selling us too high there? <laughs> I mean, you're setting the bar really fucking okay. high, but... You're better. This uh, is the best podcast you've ever listened to. <laughs> manifested. Yes. Yeah. This is the best podcast that you've never listened to, and you're about to. Oh, okay. Well, semantics. Let's go. How you how you been, buddy? It's been a little bit since we've been behind the mic. You're shaking off some clearly rest, the but- holidays. <laughs> clearly the holidays did not change the fact that I can be an asshole at any given point in time. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's if that was on your Parker. Christmas list, uh always didn't get delivered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been great, dude. It was a it was a good much needed break from the chaos of work and then a much needed introduction of chaos of family events. Right. Of just having to go from house to house and uh, from the boys going from moms to dads and grandmas and grandpas and this and that and the other. But it was, you know, it's holiday season, right? It's magical time. It was Christmas lights and hot chocolate and gifts and Santa Claus and pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, and then New Year's was quiet, at least in my household, because we didn't have them for New Year's. So it was we didn't have a party. We didn't have a shindig get together. We had the adult Lunchables and some champagne and called it a night with just me and the fiance at home. So adult so Lunchables, was, is that like mini charcuterie boards or what, what does that look like? Well, I'm assuming that like to be a charcuterie board, which I nailed that pronunciation on the first go <laughs> and the redneck in me is so happy right now. Ooh, Cause normally it's charcuterie. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> a car board. <laughs> dude i try but sometimes the trailer park just overrides the vowels <laughs> and it just doesn't allow it to work we usually say I, i'm assuming is that the like brunch white girl abbreviation of charcuterie char- see now i can't fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i was doing i was trying to bait you into the real pronunciation of the parker charcuterie i hate you, I hate you. <laughs> so adult lunchables in, i hate you <laughs> Yes, uh, just, you know, some pepperoni, cheese, cracker, salami, like easy peasy, right? Okay. Like nothing crazy, no deconstructed no pizza, goat cheese. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if we'd had some sauce, I'd have dipped it in. Don't start with yeah. me. <laughs> but no, it's, it's fantastic, man. It was just, it was nice. It was chill. It was all local, mm-hmm. which was just, thank God, right? No having to pack people up and travel across state or do this yeah. or that, um, at least not this year. So traveling for the holidays that was a is, a, is a special brand of stress. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were knee deep in it, right? Cause you didn't, you go to Colorado. Yeah. That felt different though. It wasn't like traveling for the holidays or traveling for family. That's, I should probably preface that traveling for family for the holidays can be a special brand of stress. Mine was pure relaxation. I was actually looking more forward to the Colorado trip, I think than Christmas because we didn't we didn't have our daughter this year for Christmas. So the, some of the magic was like leading up to it was great. Had all the great family time, everything was going awesome. But we were really looking forward just to the trip because felt like it had been a minute since we just got to relax, not really have any responsibility or you know agenda times, not having to set the alarm stuff like that. So yeah, we had a really good time. I actually, so what we're planning on talking about tonight is different forms of therapy and. What I got to experience in Colorado was really fun because I, I've done a sensory def- I've done a sensory deprivation mm-hmm. take before. <laughs> I'm now getting your pronunciations is what happened. I was like, yeah, sure. What, bitch? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done a sensory deprivation tank before, but my wife hasn't. And so while we were there, we booked a little spa treatment for the day, and it turns out they have float tanks. And so we got to do that together. 
not at the same time, obviously kind of defeats the purpose of sensory deprivation, yeah. but, uh, it was a blast. And it, it like, so when you're in the tank, it's a, it, for me, it was a completely different experience. I saw the first time I saw a kaleidoscope and different versions of myself. I went on a quest. Like it's a, it's a whole different kind of thing. Um, uh, have you ever mm-hmm. got to do one of those? I have not. It is on my, uh, it is on my bucket list of different random techniques, but mm. I have not made it to one yet. So, well, I, I definitely recommend it. That's so as of all the forms of therapy that I've tried, and I don't even know if, if a lot of people consider float tanks to be therapy, but for me, and I'm pretty sure you agree on this, that therapy is really anything that helps you learn more about yourself or you can explore what's inside your mind. Right. Yeah. Anything that allows you to play within the bounds of your consciousness, like mm-hmm. I think would be, would be classified as therapy. Yeah. So before I go too much further into float tanks, I, th- I think let's start back from the beginning on what, what therapy was for us, how we even got invited or involved into therapy and, and how it's progressed. Cause I have, I've gone on quite the journey Parker, when it comes to therapy <laughs> and it's not all just been on somebody's couch. So where, like, where did it start for you? When did you first start going to therapy? Let's see. I think the first time I ever talked to a therapist was probably state mandated in like the DHS home when I was like 16. Oh, wow. So young. Uh, Yeah. But I would say that was about as fruitful as a lemon tree in Antarctica. Like I was a very angry, (laughs) shelled up 16 year old going through some very confusing shit. Okay. And the last thing I wanted was Deborah from HR to ask me how I was feeling about it. Like, I'm sure she was nice, but it's basically nothing from pretty much from that point up until like right after post-divorce, like there was no formal therapy for me as far as like seeing a therapist on a regular basis. My family, we not big, not big therapy seekers in the, uh, the trailer park. Shocking. So (laughs) yeah, wasn't exactly a cultural thing (laughs) in our family. So it really didn't come into, come into play until, you know, right. I would say probably right before, yeah, the divorce, the year leading up to the divorce. What was your mindset around it, though? Because I, I had a, I had a really hard stigma to shake. Uh, to me, therapy was only for crazy people. It was like you go see a shrink and that's it. Like something's wrong with you. So, did you have the same feeling? Well, I, so I knew therapy is for crazy people, but in my head, but we're all crazy. Yeah. Like that was, that's the second half of the sentence. Okay. It's not like <laughs> we're all crazy. It's just at one point you have to cross a line to where you need to talk to a professional about it. Mm. And I never thought I was that crazy. I always thought my shit could be handled with friends or other venue, right? Like, oh, you just let it breathe. You let it die. You work a little hard, whatever it is. But mm. I, I was under the the illusion that none of my shit was bad enough that needed somebody with a master's to at least to help me. Okay. So what was that push then? Cause you said it was near the divorce. So what, what helped shut down the trailer park belief, shut down, you know, the, the level of crazy that you were at, you were okay with walking through the door and telling a stranger all your problems. Well, it's, uh, I guess this is kind of a weird way to say it, but like when your reality gets shattered, right. And you have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm then kind of everyone's a stranger at that point. So it's like, it's fair game. Like (laughs) I can't go to my friends about this, right? Because they're basically strangers at this point because they don't understand what I'm going through. Even family doesn't know how to treat you. So like if everybody's a stranger, which they are, then I should see the stranger that has the most credentials in helping me become a sane human being again. Okay. But even that's not the smoothest journey though, because that not all therapists are created equal. Yeah. So it was her asking to see other people. That is what drove you into therapy. I, I thought you had gone a little before she had even mentioned that. Well, the, like I said, the, it was the year leading up because I, I had, it was right after work. Um, I was in a really toxic environment professionally mm-hmm. and uh, I had actually developed like a stress ulcer and a bunch of health problems because of just work. And it was recommended after I had quit there that I should go see a therapist because I had been at that job for almost a decade and it was my, I had my identity wrapped up in it and all kinds of unhealthy things. Right. It was a mental so breakdown, people were t- right? Oh, full, full yeah. mental. Yeah. Full mental breakdown. Like I quit, you know, took three months off just to kind of try to figure my life out and what I wanted to do. Cause I felt so betrayed by that company and all the time I invested in them. And, but yeah, it was like crying on your back porch like about your job and like when your kids are running around playing, it'll kind of make you go like, I had had hang on. There's, 
there's going to be a way to fix this where I don't have to do this all the time. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell you this. And uh, if I'm jumping ahead, you know, whatever, slap me on the wrist. But my first therapist, spoiler, my first therapist was not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did not. As an adult, I went online and I looked for therapist in my area, certified therapist. I read their little bio. I picked a guy that my insurance had covered and I went to go see him. And I'm sure he's nice. I'm sure he's great. Yeah. But it was just not the relationship for me. Like it was, I would just go in, talk. He would kind of nod for 45 minutes. And then I would leave there not feeling like I had a direction or anyone had challenged me or tried to help me solve a problem. I had just like went in and spoke problems and then left. And I was like, is this therapy? Cause this sucks. Like this is an expensive (laughs) ass bitch session. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, so that is therapy for some people. Some people do just want to be able to say all their problems and that's it. They don't want advice. They don't want coaching. They don't want anything. It's just basically they could go to the park and do the same thing to a tree for a lot cheaper. They just choose not to. You you said two, Mm. two really important things that I think was, was awesome. One, it wasn't the relationship that drove you to therapy. And that's what I was trying to eke you towards. Mm -hmm. I think therapy gets tied up a lot with relationships. Um, It does for me because that's really what drove me into therapy and is what has kept me in therapy. Honestly, was relationships. But I love that you had an issue with work and you had your identity and everything wrapped up in that. And that's what took you to therapy. And I think that gets lost a lot that just any hard issue in life is what can take you to therapy. It's not just a relational thing. Like I know marriage counselors are what most people consider therapy. I know a lot of guys that I have talked to in the past have, have really only known therapy through a marriage counselor. They've never really thought to go for themselves just to handle a difficult situation. So I love that you did that. And yes, finding the right therapist is really, really hard. It's not, it doesn't have to be the first one. You know, I, I think I got really lucky. My first therapist was amazing. I still think she's amazing. Um, and she's still practicing. It's like, I mean, I hope to have her on the show at some point. She's awesome, but I have had really crappy therapists. So what, what did you do whenever that guy wasn't meeting your expectations? Did you just assume, well, this is therapy. So therapy is not for me. Or did you want to go find another one? Yeah, no, I assumed, I assumed that's what therapy was. I, uh, I was talking to my, you know, that at that point I was talking to my then wife about it. And I was like, this is this really what therapy is? Like, cause this is, this fucking sucks. Like I could go do this with my friends. Like why? Like I, I have problems and I don't know how to fix them or have feelings that I don't understand why I have them. Like I have ticks that I can't get rid of. Like I get emails from superiors and I instantly feel like I'm in trouble because of like a toxic culture. I used like, I need to get over that shit. (laughs) I don't need you just being like, yeah, no, that, that happens. And then you write in your little notepad and move (laughs) on like that. The fuck did I give you $150 for homie? Like, you know, this is, and so no, I, I had, I had a very toxic take to it. Like, I, I think I had, I had five sessions with him. And then on that fifth one, I was just like, yeah, I don't book another one. He was like, are you feeling better? And I was like, no, but you're not helping. And that was the last nice. time I talked to the guy. So you like, did that in person then you didn't even like ghost him or oh, anything. You, you just said, no, you're it's not working out. Yeah. Cause I, cause I just, I went there and I was, that was the one that was like, I was sitting in the parking lot and I was like, cause it's stupid therapy. I want to be at home. I'd rather be playing video games. Like he's not going to help me. And, I, and sure enough, like he said four words the entire time. And by the end of it, I was just like, dude, this is not, this is. And so and I was fed up with it. I was like, I'm wasting money. I'm wasting. Cause I think at that point I'd used all my EAP free visits on yeah. like something else. And so like now I was paying out of pocket and I was just like, this is fucking like, no, it gets real <laughs> this then. Is yeah. Expensive. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not, yeah. The first couple, I just didn't think about it. Cause I was like, oh, I'm not paying for this. It's whatever. But then I get the bill and I'm like, hold on now. Yeah. Um, but no, it took, uh, without jumping too far ahead, it, it took probably six to eight months for me to, I guess, re-enter the therapist pool. <laughs> like, okay. But no, I took it, it for six or eight months. I was like, nah, I'm good. I don't know. Therapy's bullshit. It's it like, if that's all it is, then it's fine. And then I eventually started just kind of seeing stuff or talking to other people. And they're like, that's a terrible therapist. That's not, they should not be doing like, that's what I was going to ask. You know, you can interview therapists, you know, you can call them on the phone and ask like what kind of, and I was just like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you could do any of that. So I started calling around after that. And I was just like, Hey, I need someone that's, you know, going to question me and going to challenge me on areas and not going to let me just think I'm right all the time. And blah, 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 blah. And I ended up, you know, eventually finding someone who answered yes to all those questions. And I was like, fuck it. I'll give you a session. Then I stayed with her 
I mean, throughout the entire divorce, all the way up until she said, you know, that I graduated. <laughs> Which I'll never forget that conversation. I graduated therapy. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many therapists did you have to go through before you found one that you were happy with? So I had called and interviewed three. Okay. Don't take me to court on that. Well, but I, I think it was, I think I'd called, maybe, maybe she was my third one. Because mm-hmm. the first one was another dude. And I was like, maybe I don't need a dude therapist. Like yeah. maybe, maybe I need like a chick and you, judge me as you will on that statement. No, okay? I, I actually whatever. want to talk about that for a second. Cause I felt the same way. Like I, to me, cause I didn't start going until I started having marital issues. <laughs> so my relationship with women was already really hindered. I didn't really trust them. I didn't feel safe around women. My mom was my mom and my sister-in-law. They were the only ones that I could really be around and felt comfortable with other than therapists. And I had two female friends that were therapists as well. And I felt comfortable around them. So I was just thinking, you know, therapy, it's not women. So I did that too. I, I specifically chose a female therapist because I felt like it would help me develop m- my trust in women again. Yeah, I just was like, I, I think I had a preconceived notion that if I was going to work something out, I needed to work it out with a dude. Like I just had some man brain around it of like, no, I just, I'll find a bro, yeah. but like a, like a doctor bro, <laughs> you know, who, who's not going to be like, no, you just got to bang some bitches and it'll be fine. Like, I, you know, give me the guy with the PhD and then I'll talk to him about it. And then I realized like, I, I, I guess like, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. I was like, I feel maybe I need to do the yin and yang thing. And I need to find someone that is the opposite gender who is going to challenge me, who is going to do this, who is going to do that. And, uh, I mean, I guess I got really lucky because I felt like that was going to be the most productive thing. And then the first session I had with her, I was just like, Oh, you're my person. Yeah. Because she, like, if I said some bullshit, she was like, Hey, I'm gonna let you think that, but that's some, I just want you to know it's some bullshit. We'll come back to that. But that was some bullshit. You, that's not okay. And I'm like, what? Like, and she wouldn't let shit slide with me. Like she would call it out, but she also was the first one to, to like, when I said something, she's like, no, Keith, that's a good, like, you need to water yeah. that thought. Like that one right there. Like out of all the darkness you've got, that's a good spot to be in. And I was like, Oh, Oh, it is. So she gave me direction. She gave me con- you know, all those, all those things. Right. You, you immediately had a teammate, somebody in your corner, yeah. ready to go. I love that. You said that you think you got lucky, but you put in the work. Like that was you, you tried to weed out the bad therapist. So you did not get lucky. You, you but, worked hard and rewarded yourself. But I know people who've been in therapy for 10 years and they've had 22 or 23 different therapists because they just can't quite find that fucking person. They just can't, mm-hmm. I mean, there was something shifts in their life and then they maybe, maybe it's out of their therapist reach, you know, like, like they 20, go from having 20, one 30 issue to another issue. You may have to start looking at yourself. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, well, yeah, that's true. So <laughs> I didn't want to out anyone, but some are, some are, uh, uh, uncurable medical conditions, but yeah, but also people fucking move. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, uh, that happened. One of my, one like, of a therapist that I absolutely loved moved and I yeah. couldn't see them anymore. And it, it honestly, it broke me. It, it broke my heart. I didn't know how yeah, to handle they that. Broke I, up with you. I had to grieve. <laughs> and luckily, luckily, um, she actually worked me through that. Like the six sessions prior to her leaving, she even said mm. like, we're going to start working through me not being here. And that's going to be the rest of our therapy is that you can kind of pick this up on your own. And I'm going to teach you how to find a new therapist and how to work through that. And that like just having someone in your corner, right? Like getting that teammate, someone who points out the shit and who points out the wins and lets you know, that's a good spot. That's a bad spot. What were you looking for in a therapist? Like, did you have a checklist too? Or were you just kind of like, we're just going to dive into it and figure it out. Or did you have, did you have a bad experience and know what you were or weren't looking for in a therapist? Yeah. So I, so after my first therapist, when she, so she was actually an intern whenever I was first seeing her. So she hadn't graduated yet. Wasn't actually a therapist just yet. So the sessions were free. Didn't have to pay anything, but to this day, nice worth, <laughs> I can't say worth every penny. I would have paid her $200 a session <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Like it, her, her ability to therapize me and to sit in my corner and to question me and challenge me to this day is, is unmatched after that leaving a therapist that good and someone who someone who was on my side as much as she was going to the next therapist it, it felt you know that that feeling back whenever you were a kid and you're going to go into a new grade for the first time or you're going to school for the first time I don't know if you can remember back to kindergarten but that feeling of like you're walking in with your backpack and you just look around and like the walls are bigger than you everybody's bigger than you you can see a bunch of kids you just like feel hopeless 
It's like, I, I know I'm supposed to be here, but I, I just don't feel safe. That is how I felt trying to find a new therapist. I had all these tools. I had these experiences and some stories to tell. And I felt like the moment I go find someone else, like I got to catch them up on so much shit. Like there is so much history behind me. It's like for me to make any more progress, I have to tell them everything that's happened to me. (laughs) When uh, that was the greatest part about that first session with the good therapist was I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I was just in like a shitty therapy thing. Like, I don't really want to be in therapy now. Like, this is a lot to catch you. Like, I'm a lot. I've been through a lot of shit. (laughs) I wish there was like a transcript of my trauma that I could just give you and be like, hey, listen, our session's on Thursday. Catch up. Page 17 is a fucking banger. Yeah. Like, and then just be like, (laughs) let her brief herself because I don't want to have to be like, all right, well, here's my daddy trauma. And here's my mama trauma and here's my school trauma. Here's my weight trauma. Here's my relationship trauma. And then you finally get to the all caught up and you're like, now you're nine sessions in. You're like, can we talk about the divorce now? Like, is that- <laughs> <laughs> so you had asked if I had a, a bad therapist and that's kind of what, what was happening. So the, the next guy that I saw, it was a guy. I figured I would try that. You know, I've already had a, a female mm-hmm. therapist. I felt like my relationship with women just in general was progressing. I felt like I could trust, like it was, it was safe to be around them again. And so I went to see a guy because I was like, there's some bro conversations. Like you said, like Dr. Bro, like there's some bro conversations I need to have that I didn't really feel comfortable talking with her. Like it is kind of awkward to go in and talk to your female therapist about sex stuff. Like that is not yeah. just completely, you know, normal. Or it feels like for me anyway, it pushed up against some boundaries. So I wanted to see a guy therapist just for that reason. So I could talk about some sex things. So I could talk about a few different things, some bro topics. And um so the guy that I picked, I didn't do what you did. And I kind of wish that I did looking back now, I should have called and vetted instead. I just booked sessions. So all like, I just gave everyone a first session. And I think I tried five. I think I've had a total of five therapists, not including marriage counselors. Now that I think about it, but five individual for me therapists. And, mm-hmm. um, this guy, he was mm-hmm. good. I don't even remember his name. So I'll, I'll let you, like, that speaks to how well I remember him, but um, or how well he did. He wasn't bad. Um, this is a a weird thing to say. He was too Christian. So this therapist was like way too Christian. I felt uncomfortable talking to him about anything that wasn't faith-based. So if I came Mm -hmm. to him with any type of issue and I couldn't tie it back to Jesus, I felt like I couldn't talk to him about it because I knew the moment we went there, he was going to tell me to pray about it. And he was going to tell me to do, you know, have I talked to God? Have I have I journaled about this? Like, what do you feel like the Lord has called you for in this? And there's a time and a place for that. And, you know, we've established that I have a great relationship with God. But like in therapy, I don't need to be reminded every time to pray about it. I was raised with that. Part of the reason I'm in therapy now is because I'm still shame driven for not praying enough whenever I was a kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my God. Say it louder for people in the fucking back. Yeah. You're like, it's. So, Let's pray about it. No, bitch, I'm here. I prayed and God said, go to therapy. Yeah. Fucking help. <laughs> Be his hands. Yeah. <laughs> so I only lasted, I think, three sessions with that guy. And, you know, I, it's hard to leave a therapist. For me, it's hard to leave a therapist because I, I am paying them money. I'm pouring a lot of my details into them because I did the catch-up session. My first, my first session, I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I got divorced. She cheated on me. It was an emotional affair. Do you know what emotional affair? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was an emotional affair. And, you know, just go through the whole, whole gambit. And this is like, this is me and my childhood. And, um, these were the friends that I had and, and my issues with them. And it's hard for me to talk to people about this, blah, blah, blah. And, um, by the time I think I got done catching him up, just the advice that he had had on my life, it didn't feel comfortable. I decided to go ahead and call it quits. Uh, I ghosted him. I didn't, I didn't do you. I didn't give him the respect really. Like I just didn't feel, I just didn't schedule any more sessions. It didn't feel right. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I was being heard. So I didn't feel like I needed to give him the respect of letting him know I was done. Um, so I ghosted him, didn't schedule any more sessions. And I did do a little bit more groundwork. I, I got on Google. I read some reviews. I talked to some other people. I talked to the therapist friends that I had. I even reached out to my previous therapist and said, Hey, who do you recommend in this city? Do you know anybody? And maybe you went to school with them. Maybe you learned from them. And, um, 
I end up getting matched. <laughs> it's like they need a dating app for for therapists, really. That would be helpful. Why, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I end up getting matched with this with this guy. I actually still see him now. And um, my first session with him, I go to go in the whole spiel of everything that's happened again. Um, you know, got divorced, blah blah blah. And he stops me. I get like three sentences in, and he stops me, and he's like, "I don't, I don't really need to know all that." And I was like, okay, rude. Like, <laughs> I thought I was paying you to Star. talk. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, Steve. He's like, here's the thing. He's like, your history is your history. He's like, and that's going to slowly come out throughout our sessions together. But what I want to do is just talk about your day today. Let's talk about last week. He said, like, tell me about your current events. He said, and as I see things that are coming up and I start seeing patterns and seeing your language, he said, then we'll start peeling back the layers on the things that I feel like are important. And that blew my mind because I, I I felt like it, I had to go in with my history book. And I didn't have a podcast then be like, hey, listen to episode two, five, six, and eight. Like, <laughs> this will catch yeah. you up on where we're at. Those no. are the relevant. Yeah. yeah. And he just wanted to know about the now. But I really started to feel accepted with him. And I felt more much more comfortable. And it was a, it was a very enlightening moment for me to realize that my past isn't always important. And what I've gone through doesn't always have to define what I'm going through. And there are a lot of signs of a good therapist. That is one of them. One that will kind of tell you, hey, look, don't get bogged down, right? Come to me. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what's going on presently, and we'll work out the rest later. Um, they don't they'll kind of eliminate that need for you to bring your burdens all up to them. I also think another good trait of a therapist is they will take therapy outside of that office, yeah. and they will challenge you to kind of incorporate therapy methods into your day-to-day life, but or er, er, not even to say your day-to-day life, but into the real world. You mm-hmm. can take it outside of those four walls or the Zoom call or whatever it may be and find that same piece elsewhere in the world through different techniques. Yeah. And I, I think my personal opinion on that is that that's the real therapy. Talking to someone, figuring all that stuff out, that's just giving you language. That's giving you, that's breaking up some of the dirt, shaking some of the rust off, like getting things, al- allowing things to breathe. Um but being able to take it outside of that office, taking your therapy off the couch and putting it in, into your life, that's hard. Like I felt so stuck in therapy for a long time because I thought therapy was just on the couch and I did not know. Like I would have a conversation and be like, well, my therapist said this and like maybe that'll help. But like it's hard to tell somebody that and not sound crazy. <laughs> like I can tell you that now, but it's really hard to do that. Well, my therapist made it abundantly clear to me kind of early on in the game that therapy is very much just a classroom. Mm. Like I learn techniques and I learn, uh, you know, theories and whatever there. But if I just go out into the world and I do not use them, then why am I in class? Mm -hmm. And now granted, that's how I kind of look at the world, right? I have a kind of a data driven view of the world. So she was able to kind of put that in my language, but to what you're saying, like whatever we're doing in therapy should be applied, should be applicable to the real world. And if you don't take it out, then why the fuck are you there to start? You're wasting your time yeah. because you're not, you're not applying what you learned. What did your therapist do? What was the first time you took it outside the classroom? Of course she level set on like, Hey, you know, what are you doing for fun and entertainment? And of course, at that point it was like riding my bike and, or, or I think at that point it may not have been riding my bike. Yeah. It may have been going to the gym with you and, uh, and hiking. And she was like, well, great. Do you ever like sit at the top of the mountain when you're there? And I was like, not usually, Like we get to the top, we stretch, kind of talk some shit. And then we go back down. She was like, well, why don't you just take like just 120 seconds and just sit there in stillness and then just see if you can just keep that moment with you like throughout the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I did all that hard ass work. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole point of getting to the top of the mountain was to see the view, not to just like high five my buddy, drink water, stare at each other, sweating and panting awkwardly and walk out. It was the view. <laughs> and then kind of remembering like, oh, this, I get up here to get this little memory of peace or happiness or whatever emotion that is, right? Camaraderie with you or, mm-hmm. but I want to take that with me throughout the day. So I had to take my little classroom technique and then I had to go out in the real world and apply it. And then it helped because like later that night, I think me and you may have been having drinks and I just like caught a random smile because I was like, dude, we were on the fucking top of a mountain like six hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> like we were just up there just chilling. And so to me, that was really like from crawling to step one, like that, that was just something I already do. And then finding a way to snapshot it, to keep 
peace in my pocket or happiness or whatever that I'm, I can't tell you what that exact emotion was, but that had to be huge though. Cause like from where you were, you were just doing all work and never getting a reward. You never got the Mm. payoff. So you're just climbing a mountain over and over and over and never getting to see the view. Why were you on the mountain? (laughs) Like why put in all that work? So it's really, that had to be huge and had to be like, that had to give you a lot of peace. I'm sure to be able to sit back and be like, wow, it is pretty up here. And then taking that and applying it to your life and to your headspace too, not just on a mountain, but mentally, like whenever you go through a struggle Mm -hmm. and be like, man, look at me, like I am up here. It's wild. Well, it leads to being able to snapshot that for multiple emotions and then being able to bring those back up when I'm feeling sad. Right. It does. I and I, it wasn't just when we were out having drinks, I was thinking about it. If I was at my apartment and I knew you were busy, but I really wanted to hang out with someone and I was depressed about it. I could just be like, Oh man, well, you know, he's busy tonight, but maybe we'll get to go on the mountain tomorrow. Maybe we'll do that. And I was, oh, yeah, because you remember. And then I would think about that and it would help pull me out of a funk, right? Mm-hmm. A small little thing, but it would it would keep me from spiraling into like, Stephen doesn't love me. All he wants to do is date these hoes and be in the street and <laughs> fuck him. And, you know, because like, you know, that's a path, right? That is, is, you could, I could make that whole story up about you, about you just out here dating all these women and, yeah. you know, da, da, da. Not true. Well, not even really close to what's happening. I've literally done that with you before too. My man Parker just doesn't go on these (laughs) hikes anymore. He he found somebody. He's happy now. So like, friendship doesn't mean shit. That's not true. You know, you got to carry that, carrying those wins and carrying those things with you. It's it's a pretty big step. Mm -hmm. So I love that. That was your first moment where therapy expanded outside of of the classroom or outside of the couch, Mm -hmm. and you're able to take that into life. Did you explore any other types of therapy or it? Because you mentioned. Basically, you started describing meditation. Now, did your mm-hmm. therapist teach you meditation? Did you get high one day and figure out meditation? Like, well, how did how did how did you uh, find that? Uh, marijuana and YouTube. Okay, uh, that that's Checks basically out. checks out because it's how do you in this generation, man? If you want to learn to do something, what do you do? You look it up on YouTube, right? Yeah, that's pretty much how do I meditate? And then I found somebody who wasn't annoying, who was just like, here's some fundamentals about meditation here's some common mistakes about meditation and here's the purpose of meditation mm-hmm. and being as logic minded as I was, I was like, all right, told me the ups. You told me the don't do's and you told me why I'm doing it. That's good enough for me. And then, yeah, I would just smoke myself into a sense of meditation. Like I would get comfortable <laughs> and I would, but I would light an incense too. I would, you know, I'd do the music, I'd the whole thing, right. I'd be on my little blanket. I'd, I'd try to do set, do whatever, the instructor gave me to to do for that meditation and i sucked at it i still suck at meditation it's hard (laughs) it's not an easy thing to do here's what's funny just the attempt at meditation would give me the same benefit of meditation because even if i'm in there for 15 minutes trying to meditate that's 15 minutes that i'm not thinking about the bullshit that otherwise would have been caking in my brain Hmm. because i'm thinking about readjusting my, my pad that my knees are on or my blanket or man, I lit the wrong incense motherfucker or <laughs> is that music is a little too loud. Maybe it's a little too loud. I should probably turn that down, but I'm not making up scenarios about doomsday stuff, or I'm not overthinking about a work project that's due, or I'm not wondering if I was a good enough dad that day. So I like even that. like I said, pretty the enlightening. act of that. Yeah. yeah. I never thought about just, just trying is actually beneficial. Mm-hmm. I have heard that meditation is, uh, more muscle memory than anything that it's not really about like the more, more often you clear your mind, that activity of clearing your mind gets easier over time. And I don't, I think people who have <laughs> yeah. meditated for years still struggle with it, but it, it's still like it does. Yeah. It takes a little bit of time to, to build that muscle growth as outside of therapy though, man, it really, I'm kind of vanilla in different, like, I feel like I'm behind the curve here. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, like float tank, like I probably need to get into, um, hypnosis is not something that's on my bucket list. And I know that you've done, but I don't have much interest in it. Uh, maybe I'll do acupuncture. I don't know. I'm scared of needles, but maybe I'll try that (laughs) one time just to see. I mean, there's so many different things, right. And, I don't know if I can, you know, treat it like Baskin Robbins. I'll just try them all. Like, we'll just see, see what happens. Like once you learn the basics, I don't know if there's a way you can really mess it up. Cause then you'll, then you'll know that it's not working for you. Like, I'm glad that I had the foundation of just normal talk therapy and cog- like CBT therapy, um, mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy. I was that like, was CBT, redundant. is it? Well, CBT, 
therapy. It's like saying chai tea because chai is tea. So oh. you just say you have a cup of chai as opposed to chai. I'm going on tangent here. Um, anyway, so. Oh, you're helping me because I was like, what the fuck is CBT? I was like, is this what we've been doing the whole well, time? Like, <laughs> CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. So okay. that, that is so always say CBT me. therapy. You just say CBT. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's what today I, I learned. With. Yeah. But having the foundation of just normal talk therapy, I think gave me a lot of freedom. So I was actually in physical therapy, which is a whole different form of therapy, but physical therapy uh, for lower back pain. And the physical therapist happened to be a Buddhist. And I was already listening to some podcasts, reading some books on contemplative contemplative. That's a hard word contemplative prayer. And so my mind was already in this space of questioning things and trying out new things. So when the Buddhist physical therapist was telling me, have I thought about meditation? That was my introduction into meditation. So I wanted to give that a shot. Having already had some talk therapy, I've been able to center myself in my mind. And the more that she talked about it, the more I started to understand the benefits of meditation. So I wanted to try that. That opened the door for so many different things. I don't, I don't, if there's a form of therapy out there, I'm probably willing to try it at least once because fast forward years later, when I do get in the sensory deprivation tank, you know, that experience, it opened doors inside my mind. It was like hyper meditation. There is nowhere else to go in that tank, but in my mind or a panic attack. And I had both. (laughs) So (laughs) Cause like, they, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> it's hot, it's humid and like the sweat's dripping down. It's super salty. And so there, there were moments when I closed that door that I almost hyperventilated. I, I panicked a little bit. I was scared. I realized that I can open up this door at any point. I cracked it open, got some cool breeze, sat back down and realized that all I have to do is close out everything. See what Steven wants to talk about. I have this moment to sit down in a room and basically have therapy with myself. I get to have the conversation and point out the issues and point out the things that I feel like I need to work on with me at the time. Self-confidence was a huge thing. Still kind of is insecurity is a bitch, but self-confidence was like a real issue. And I remember sitting down and this is going to sound trippy, but I went on a quest with myself once, once uh, the colors kind of faded. Cause it's like when you see pure black, it allows your mind to wonder and create images and create different things. So what I said earlier, I saw a kaleidoscope when I open my eyes and it's pure pitch black, I don't feel anything. I can't see anything. I don't hear anything. My brain just started going in hyperdrive and it started showing me colors and scenery and all these things, but it finally all faded to black. And what stood in front of me was a version of myself. One that I know that I've seen in the mirror plenty of times before. And I was like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And luckily I called you before. I don't know if you remember this, but I called you before I went in the deprivation tank because I, I was like, hey, I, you're familiar with trips and you're familiar mm-hmm. with some psychedelic experiences. And based on what the research I've done, that's what I was going into. And you told me to follow the rabbit. Anytime mm-hmm. the quote unquote rabbit decides to show up and starts going somewhere, follow him. Because if I fight him, I'm going to end up stressed. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. That's, that's what I told you. I was like, you're going to have a fucking terrible time <laughs> if you fight that rabbit because he's going to beat the shit out of you. Follow him quickly wherever he goes, <laughs> ride it out. See what happens. So, yeah. So that's exactly what I did. I, when I got to the end of this kaleidoscope and I see myself, I was like, all right, well, whatever you got to say, wherever you want to take me, I'm yours, man. Like, let's go. And, uh, the dialogue was basically my own construction. My brain just showing me different things, but I, I'm not going to bore you with all the details. Cause some of it is pretty trippy, but basically I went on a quest through several different realms, quote, you can't see my fingers, but quote unquote realms. And, (laughs) uh, I had to find different parts of me, different versions of me. And I had to have conversations with them. And man, I hadn't done that yet. Like all my meditation, all my therapy, like I knew, I knew these parts of me existed, but I haven't really done any work on them. They were the ones that were kind of lingering in the background that I just felt were my identity. And I didn't realize that they could be adjusted at any point that if I didn't like them or if I wanted to tweak them, like it's, it's perfectly okay. I'm I'm allowed to. So do you think that the sensory deprivation tank still would have been as important to you if you wouldn't have had the ability to have a conversation with yourself? Hmm. No, I honestly, I, it would have been a completely different experience. I wouldn't one your advice on following the rabbit or following myself, you know, whatever shows up that 
that wouldn't have happened. I would have fought it. <laughs> like I, I, at the time I didn't really like being in a room with myself. I didn't like going into that dark closet and to use NF's terminology, like going into that mansion and finding a door that, I, you know, I've locked that. That's a part of me. Yeah. I don't really feel like addressing. I keep him beat down and he doesn't ever get to see the light of day. So no, have, have not knowing those other parts of me, not having the, the one-on-one therapy with a therapist and addressing some of my issues and having to look my insecurity in its face and not be afraid to tell a stranger about it and have them coach me through some of those principles and then meditating and being okay with just being me and being by myself. There's no way in hell I could have handled the sensory deprivation tank. Now that's me. You know, I, I got, hmm. I got demons. Yeah. I got thoughts. I got all kinds of places in my <laughs> mind that I like to camp out at. So it's going to be different for everybody else. But for me personally, no, I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have handled it. Um, I don't think it would have been as beneficial for sure. I don't think any therapy that I've done has really been effective in any way, shape or form, right? In office therapy, my own, whatever homebrewed concoction, none of it's been effective until I had the ability to just really have a conversation with myself and be honest with myself, whether it's about good things, bad things, things I'm confused about, or I don't know, And I think that when you have the ability to have a conversation with yourself and you can put yourself in an environment to where only that conversation can happen, that's when the best therapy gets triggered. Mm. Yeah, And that can happen fucking hundreds of places, right? It can happen in a sensory deprivation tank. It can happen on an acupuncture table. It can happen when you're being hypnotized. Mm -hmm. It can happen on your flight to Ireland. It can anywhere it can happen, but I think unlocking it and then, Stepping into that realm is, is kind of that first step. So talk therapy for me showed me how to have the conversation with myself. All I had to do was visually in my mind, replace the therapist with me and whatever Mm. part of me that is giving me grief. If it's a super insecure part, if I feel like neediness is really creeping in and I'm obsessing over girls or dates or appointments or anything like that, like I can, I can set him down. It's like, okay, you, you needy bitch. You sit over there in the corner. I'm going to sit on the couch and we're going to talk about this because I know yeah. I've already practiced it with my therapist. So it, it, showing that language it, in my experience, really all I had to do was just swap the character and then I'm having a different conversation and going more in depth. You know how, whenever you're driving home from work, your brain automatically like nicks out trees or stoplights or stop signs, different cars, things like that. Like, Things you see every day just kind of flow by in the background. You don't, your brain doesn't process them. What I think happened to me before therapy was all of my toxic traits were just part of me. It was just part of the drive home. You know, there's not, Mm -hmm. I never focused on them. I never looked at them. There was never any detail there. It was just part of me. But the people around me noticed them because they were rubbing them the wrong way or it was affecting them or it was hurting them. Or maybe I was a little too aggressive here or too controlling here. To me, I'm just being me. So it was really easy for me to get offensive and hurt by what other people would say about me before therapy, because it was just part of me. You're attacking me as a whole. Now, Mm -hmm. whenever I have an uncomfortable moment with my wife or with you or anything like that, that gets filed and addressed to that part of me that I know I can work on, on the couch, in the tank, on a mountain, on a walk. Like that's, it goes to a different part. So I don't have to take pull like full offense at my being and who Steven is, it's like, okay, well there, there is a part of me that I may want to address or at least look at. And I may get to the end of it and be like, no, I love that part of me. That's who Mm -hmm. I am. But I I never had that language before. So I think we've already established that I don't necessarily have a a broad range of different therapy techniques that I've tried, but I am curious because you've tried a few more than me. So is there any other additional, I don't want to say alternative methods because you're not using them as an alternative. You're, you're kind of, bundling them together. You're state yeah. farming them <laughs> and you're going, yeah, I'll have a little bit of this and a la carte, add that in. Oh, bacon. Why not? Sure. Yeah. So out, out of kind of what you've done, is there any that really stuck out to you or that you were like, dude, this is, this is really dope. You need to try this. Um, all of them have served their purpose. Uh, hypnosis really, I'm not sure if, if it's for me yet. I've only had one experience with hypnosis uh, and when I finished that session, I already told myself I would try it one more time just because I wasn't sure if that's what hypnosis was. 
Uh, to me, mm. it felt like more guided meditation than anything. I don't know if I just wasn't able to reach a trance state or if I was overthinking it too much. You know, there's there's several different reasons. So the, I, I'm I'm always up for trying a couple things or trying new things a couple of times just because you may get a bad experience for one. But even with hypnosis, I feel like it served its purpose. In in my hypnosis, I learned about EFT tapping. So tapping different points of your body, saying certain affirmations, or uh, getting rid of negative thoughts through tapping and matching the physical side with the mental side sets off something in your brain. And I still do that. I'll hmm. find myself in the shower and some negative thought that I just can't really get rid of pops up. And so I'll start tapping my hand and I'll tap my chest and my head. And, uh, honestly just feeling like a crazy person, like tapping myself in the shower person. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, but (laughs) doing that shakes me out of the negative thought. So even like, even as crazy as that sounds, it's kind of like you said, like just the practice of trying to meditate is, is as good as meditation. Mm. Me looking at myself and be like, wow, you're crazy bro right now. Like you are, (laughs) you're just tapping your hand in the shower. Like maybe you should dry off and, and go for a walk or something. Get the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Go see the sun, <laughs> <laughs> but it disrupts my system. It disrupts the negative thought. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if there's been one that has been as crucial as just general talk therapy. Um, but I've loved every single one of them. There's not one that I'm like, I'm never going to do again. There's some dangerous ones out there. Um, I was taught a way to rewrite negative memories and it's where you kind of visualize. Oh, like this. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with you and you didn't like oh, it then. Yeah. And I yeah, still I like, like it. Then. I don't like it now. Motherfuckers. <laughs> it's scary, but it's like you take these stickers and weird voices and everything and you paint them all over this memory and you keep shoving it further and further outside your mind. Like you picture it as a movie screen and you move further away from the movie screen, bro. It's complex. And it's crazy. And honestly, it is dangerous because the memories that I have done that to, I can't think of them now without all those different posters and stickers and cartoon voices and stuff like that. So I think there are some forms of therapy that can be dangerous, but I think used correctly. I mean, the ones that I've experienced now, I I think are, am I, I'm not, I'm answering that differently than the way you asked it. I just realized that you're good. If there's something that you think is valuable, cool, but it sounds like it's all just kind of supplementary, which is, you know, what I'm curious about. Cause I, I want to go try some things Um, because having the, like you said, I, I, I feel the same way you do. I don't think there's a replacement for sitting down in a room and talking with someone that can properly kind of interrupt or probe your patterns and see what's healthy and what's not. But I think once you learn to do that on your own, I think it's fun to put yourself in scenarios to where you can solve some old shit. You know, I did this often and you were, you know, it would confuse you when I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to go fight some demons. Like, and you're like purposefully. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm tired of being sad. So I'm going to go put myself in a spot to where, um, I can be open to have these conversations, which is what they were, you know, confronting demons is all conversations. It's what it is. It's whether it's childhood trauma, trauma, somebody else caused you or whatever it may be, but I want to do it in a float tank really bad because I've done it in places accidentally. Like I've done it at a massage table. <laughs> You've done you it know? at a haircut. <laughs> you told me of a trip you had in a hair, getting a haircut. One Ooh, day. <laughs> oh, I went to Mars and I haircut by accident. I took a gummy. <laughs> I went to go have a good day. And uh, for anyone that has a beard or for anyone that's ever went and had like the whole hot towel stuff done on your face and you've had a razor shave. um, I was just kind of vibing on a gummy, having a good, a normal <laughs> Thursday. It was nothing crazy happening and uh when he wrapped that hot towel with that peppermint oil or whatever around my face and like leaned me back he might as well have just yeeted me into space because i was <laughs> gone and what was cool was that for about 10 seconds i panicked because i was like oh shit this is a this is gonna be a bad trip but luckily like i've told you a hundred times Whenever you end up there, you just follow whatever shows up. You just follow it because it can't hurt you. It's not real. Yeah. And generally, it's going to lead you to the truth of what's bugging you. So I I felt like I never really got to schedule those moments. They kind of happened to me in the world. So I like the idea of having a float tank or a, um, not a, I was almost said, you know, 
hypnotherapist, but I, I don't even like saying that word. It's not my thing. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm going to be, I'm, you have such a, on that. yeah, you have such a tight <laughs> lock on who you are that letting someone yeah. else inside your mind. I just, it, that's not for you. I just, I know or that you right don't belong here, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't belong here half the time. <laughs> that would be the equivalent of uh, you letting a stranger onto your computer just to surf the web. Like this is just not going to happen. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> it's bad for you. Yeah. But I never really got to schedule these moments of the float tank or the hypnotherapist or anything like that. I was on a massage table or like you said, in my, you know, getting a haircut and I got yoinked into these moments. So I was just mm-hmm. kind of happy to know that I can have a conversation with myself when I got pulled into these different almost therapy methods, which, you know, being wrapped in a hot towel and with oils can kind of send you into a little euphoric yeah. trance. So I mean, therapy in my book. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it sets you up for success for that, for sure. I mean, giving you the language, letting you not be scared whenever you get hijacked from that, but knowing where to go or knowing how to follow it, have the right conversations. Um, give me your take on couples therapy. Do you feel like that is still a good thing? Have you done it since the divorce with anyone? Um, have not done it. Did not do it in the divorce. Okay. Have not done it with anyone ever. I think we may have done some premarital counseling, maybe okay. one session because the pastor required it. I Interesting. Think. Um, Are you open to it? I am. Yeah, I'm open to it. I don't have a problem with it. Um, but I think my general stance on it is, both people should be in therapy first before couples therapy, because if one person's in therapy and then couples therapy gets recommended, then it can almost kind of seem like someone's getting molly whopped or tag teamed Mm -hmm. on because you're like, Oh, I brought you to therapy. Is that I'd rather it be one of those. Yeah. I'd rather be a parallel journey of me and you both working through some things. And then we both agree that, you know, we should probably have a shared safe space to discuss these things in. Um, about our relationship and not even it's just kind of a hedge your bets thing in my book mm-hmm. i don't it doesn't have to be because you're fighting or you're mad about something and you gotta fucking go to therapy and figure it out you can just go but hey look it's a rough year last year you had a lot of stress going on i had a lot of stress going on you know we got a new kid we got a new job we got a whatever why don't we like why don't we just go ahead and just have a few sessions and mm-hmm. just let somebody kick around kick the tires and make sure, you know, one of these motherfuckers doesn't fall off and we didn't know it. So, yeah. Okay. That, that's what I figured. I, I feel pretty similar. It's to me, it's important. I actually said coming out of my divorce that my next wife would go to couples counseling with me and would be okay with that. I wanted to make yep. sure that we could have a therapist for the good times and the bad times just to have someone else in our corner for the relationship that, even whenever we're celebrating things, someone's in our corner. Whenever me and her hit a point that communication just can't quite fix, like we haven't, we're stumbling over it. We can't figure out the point. Then having someone that's on our team that we can go to is good. I agree with you. I think having therapist of your own, like we both have, we have individual therapy and then we have couples therapy and we don't do it regularly. Yeah. It's kind of like quarterly, just something to kind of check in and you know, if we have an issue that would be better addressed with a professional, then we'll save it. And kind of like you said earlier with the Baskin Robbins, like clearly I'm a fan of therapy. So I'm, I want that involved in my marriage as well, as much as it's involved with, with just me. Well, you're going to have a hard time not convincing me at this point that therapy is not like ice cream. The more that I sit here and think about it, because like, <laughs> like even when you go in and you have bad ice cream, like it's still fucking ice cream. It's still pretty good. Yeah. Like, even the flavors you don't like, it's still pretty good. Like it's, yeah. it's still ice cream. So couples therapy, individual therapy, group therapy, online therapy, whatever it is, right. It's just podcasting. It's still <laughs> yeah, podcasting, crying in a river yeah. by yourself, you know, whatever being out with, it doesn't, there's all these different flavors, all these different add-ins, all these different, it looks different. It feels different. And, but it's all good. It's all, yeah, it's all ice I mean, cream. I almost said it's good for you, but yeah, you know what I'm trying. It's gelato. How about it's that gel- one? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we talked about therapy enough. Let's go ahead and kick it to last call. Yeah, last call. Let's get out of here. Last call. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. <laughs> Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag her tail. When it comes, we want to wail. Mail. 
Shout out Steve. I think I fucked up one of the lyrics, but he's in prison. That's not gonna matter. <laughs> no, he's not. That motherfucker's out doing speeches at Comic Cons and shit. He's dope. The original Steve? Yeah, the OG Steve, man. Oh, good for him. Yeah. All right. So let's I want to start the season doing something new and something I've been really excited about. I know you've been really excited about to get get to. Um mm-hmm. but diving into a, a mailbag, some little some listener interaction. Um so I think what we're going to start doing at the end of each of these episodes is read a little bit of feedback. We get questions quite often from listeners and friends and different people. So I thought it would be good for us to read some of those on air, answer some of them, talk about it and, uh, you know, fluff it up a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, man, we've gotten some doozies. We've gotten some great questions via email and, you know, DM on Instagram and Twitter X or I feel, dude, I feel so old anytime it comes to social. Why does it change? But anyways, yeah. how, whatever that platform is or used to be, or however it identifies, it used to be a bird. Now it's a letter. I don't <laughs> fucking know. Or is it a Roman numeral? Don't do this to me. It is fucking 1221. <laughs> We've been at this forever. I don't know. Okay. Whatever Czar Elon is pulling, however yeah. the direct message happens on that platform. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. So I picked this out. I picked this out one for today. I think this is going to be a good one to kick off. Uh, kick off some user. Almost said user feedback. Clearly, I work in tech. Listener yeah. feedback. There we go. <laughs> so uh, this actually comes uh, from Jason from Wisconsin, and he <laughs> he writes in and he says, "So my ex-wife and I were friends before we got married, and we're still friends after the divorce. But every time we talk about anything." It spirals me into a depression. Is it even worse being friends at this point or should I be done with the friendship? Now I immediately have like seven other questions for him that I wish I could pour him a shot. Cause I'm like, how long were you friends? How long, you know, this bitch, that was my gut reaction. I'm being honest with you. How long, you know, this bitch. Yeah. Is it childhood friend? Did your mamas grow up together? Like how? Cause if you met her in high school or college, nah, write her off be done with it that's not worth being sad that's a knee jerk not saying that's a healthy reaction that was my knee jerk yeah i don't i don't know if there's a oh man man i'm i'm not envious of him at all i don't want to be i wouldn't want to be in that position um Mm -hmm. i do remember my ex saying that she wanted to try to stay friends and i i know like i did all but mush your face it's like i'm i'm done with you you were not going to be a part of my life anymore sorry uh i'm amazed i'm the same as you i got like 18,000 questions for this guy, honestly, because like how, how important was that friendship that, that the divorce mm-hmm. didn't shake it? I mean, how important was your marriage that it didn't shake the friendship? There's, there's so many different avenues there. I mean, one, if you're uncomfortable and you're nervous in it, I, for me, I'd get out. It's hard. I know it's hard. Like, but I, I'm the type of person that whenever I break up with somebody, like it's a clean, it's a clean cut. You're not going to hang around mm-hmm. in my life. I'm not going to stalk you on social media. I don't, I need that out. I'm done. If I cut you out for a reason, you're gone. Yeah, I I definitely, I don't disagree with that at all. I think outside of my knee jerk, I would say that you have to protect yourself. And I'm going to assume what would be worst case scenario, right? Childhood friends, lifelong childhood friends grew up together. I'm assuming y'all have been through some some shit together. Mm. You've seen the highs, you've seen the lows. Obviously, There's there's no way they're just sticking around for that. Yeah, But if... If that relationship is sending you down a spiral, if I'm using your word correctly, I, me personally, tried to avoid anything that would send me down a spiral. I tried to get away from all those staircases and I tried to make sure they were very healthily boarded up as to me never falling down them again. Mm-hmm. And if, if you want to try some therapy and try to figure this out, that's one thing, but I would ask, why are you doing it? Cause if you're doing it for her or to not hurt her, or you see her happy because she's still getting what she needs out of the friendship, but it's making you miserable. Then I would think you've got to stand up for yourself on that one. Mm-hmm. And you've got to protect yourself and your peace in yeah. that relationship. I would have to ask why, why is this relationship still part of your life? And is this relationship worth the struggle? Cause like you said, if he is spiraling, then clearly something toxic is going on. The relationship isn't beneficial to you. Um, I think sticking in it just for the sake of sticking in it is a poor decision. The other thing is look at yourself and look at your future. If you're friends with your ex-wife, you know, this isn't a sitcom. It's not Ross and Rachel. It's not as easy as that. Once you mm-hmm. meet someone new and you inevitably get in another relationship, you're going to have to explain that. 
You're going to have to sure. let people know why she's still in your life and why that's important. And, and then provide the security that, Hey, we're just friends. That's never going to, nothing's ever going to equate to anything. And then in today's society, that's pretty damn hard to achieve. <laughs> it's yeah, that can be rough to explain. I think asking why is a really good, why do you want that friendship and just kind of sit there and be honest with yourself for a second and is it really benefiting you? Is it taking you in the direction that you want to go in your life? And if not, yeah. <laughs> it's got to go. Yeah. Obviously Man. easier said than done. Change is hard. Change is scary. And, you know, if it's a scenario kind of like you, you subject, I mean, there's a lot of information that, that's missing here, but let's say it is a lifelong friend and it's just really hard to say bye to that. You know, it it's not going to be around forever. Nothing really lasts forever. That may have just been the friend you needed for a season, but if you're spiraling and you feel like you really need some change, it's yeah, it's ejector seat time. It's time to yeah. move in the other direction. Personally, that's what I would do, which obviously yep. you, you wrote in to hear what we would do. So, and what us, the fuck do we know? I, nothing, nothing. I, we're just nothing. two guys that got divorced and have microphones. <laughs> yeah. The only thing separating us from you is $60 and two days on Amazon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's going to do it for us this episode. If you'd like to have your question or comment read on the air, check out our website at congratulationsnetwork.com. We've got our email, our Google phone line at 501-503-1307, or you can hit us up on Discord or any of our social medias. And until next time, don't forget to celebrate yourself, keep your mental health in check, and keep growing. If that woo.